So we've been talking about uh, relationships, connections, all kinds of things. Interpersonal relationships are so vital and important to every single one of us. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the Bible says this. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And there was a deep sense of awe that came over all of them. The apostles performed many miracles and signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in needs. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, after he rose from the grave on the third day, Jesus told the disciples when he appeared to them, he told the disciples and many other, in fact, the Bible says that he appeared to over 500 people and he told them to go to Jerusalem and to seek the baptism and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so we find in Acts chapter uh, 2 on the day of Pentecost. Now this was 10 days after Jesus ascended up to heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 that 120 believers got together in an upper room in Jerusalem and they began to pray for the Holy Spirit to be poured out as promised by Jesus Christ. And on that particular day, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 verse 4 that they were all in one place, they were in one mind, in one spirit, and in one accord seeking the Holy Spirit and that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them and filled them and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then Peter, if you go on and read that, that second chapter of Acts, you'll find that Peter preached the inaugural message for the church and 3,000 people were saved that day. That was the day, the day of Pentecost, that the church was born. That was the birthday of the church. This church in Acts should be our model. Because it was a united church and every person was united in thought and they were united in intent and they were united in purpose and they came together. The scripture says as we look at these verses that they were students of the word of God and when the lesson was taught, when the message, when Peter brought the message, every person was there and every person heard the message, and I believe that not only on that day, but every time the body of believers, the church, came together, that they took notes, and they willingly listened, and they willingly learned. When it came time, everybody was in attendance, and they were ready to receive the message. Now, the question today uh, I have for you is this. Does anyone here like to cook? Is there anyone here that really enjoys cooking? All right, some people, some folks. How many people just hate to cook? You don't really, you just, it's a necessity, okay? There are some, some folks, and cooking is an art form, if you will. And they plan, I know, I know Bill Bentley's here today, 
And Bill has given me some cookbooks because I know that Bill is an individual that absolutely loves to cook. In fact, one day I went to his house and we had fish and we had beans and we had fried potatoes and we had cornbread and it was amazing. I just went over there for a visit. And they invited me to stick around for a feast. I think Bill Bentley is one of those kind of people that really enjoys cooking and the art of cooking a delicious meal. And, and many times, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you come and, 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 and you, when you're preparing the meal, it might take hours for you to prepare the meal. And as you're preparing the meal, Bill, as you're preparing the meal, you're thinking about the time that you're going to set the table. And you, you, you prepare the meal, you set the table, and then you invite all of your friends and you invite your family members to come so that they can partake of the meal. Now listen, if you had spent hours, Bill, if you had spent hours preparing the meal, ladies, if you had had spent hours preparing the meal, the Thanksgiving dinner, the Easter dinner, the Christmas dinner, and you had spent a great deal of time and you gave the invitation and nobody came, you would be a little bit irritated. In fact, you would be aggravated. In fact, we might even say that you were mad about it because nobody came to receive and to partake of the meal. Or what if everybody sat down and they got, just gobbled up the meal and then nobody said a word and after they ate, they just left, okay? You say, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I'll, I'll just say this. Preaching and teaching is a lot like preparing a meal, okay? Because ministers, pastors, teachers prepare for hours. Someone said, well, just get on the Internet and you can print off a message and I know people that do it, they just print one off. They buy one from, uh, uh, you know, uh, Stephen Furtick for 10 bucks, Or they get one from Ed Young for $10. And then they just stand up and they just deliver it, okay? Anybody can do that, okay? But if you're really called of God, you're going to pray about it. You're going to seek the Holy Spirit for a word from God. I, I believe that God gives us a word because, because uh, God knows who is going to come together. But as a preacher or a teacher, many times we prepare for hours and we set the table on Sunday morning or at the appropriate time. And sometimes people just skip the meal or they make an excuse for not coming to the meal. Or sometimes we take the meal for granted and we say, that really wasn't that good at all. I, I really didn't enjoy that. We don't even think about the preparation. Well, the, the church in the book of Acts, they were hungry to receive the things of God. They were hungry to receive. The Bible says that blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. They were hungry. It, it was a church that was hungry for the things of God. They got there early to receive the meal. They got there. They came to be taught of the apostles. They came and they listened and they benefited from the teaching and they benefited from the message and they applied the message and the message transformed them. Sometimes we come to church, we say, I think that was the worst service I was ever at. The problem was our attitude. The problem was our spirit. The problem, we came into the place and we had a chip on our shoulder. We came into the place and we were mad at someone. 
We came into the place and we had our mind on something else and God couldn't do a work in our life. God wants to do a work in your life. And if you'll let God do it and you'll break down the barriers, God will do an amazing act in your life. God transformed them by the teaching and the preaching of the word. The scripture says in Acts chapter 2 that they were students of the word. They were devoted learners. I believe the church in Acts was a church of connection. And that's what we're talking about, creating a culture of connection. They came together for fellowship. The scripture said they came for so much fellowship that when the time was right, they shared meals together. They met on a regular basis. The scripture says they prayed together. They prayed for one another. They shared their wealth with one another. They worshiped together. They worked together in agreement. And it was a generous church. Hey, the only way we can have a generous church, it will be generous givers. And we're generous people. God wants a connected, generous, faithful church. A hungry church for the things of God. And here's what happened. God poured His Spirit out, His Holy Spirit out, in a supernatural way. And they shared one another's burdens. And they enthusiastically served one another. It was a joyful church that grew and prospered and flourished. And the scripture says this, that God increased the church every single day. It was a connected church. They were connected to God through Jesus Christ. They were connected to the Holy Spirit because they had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were connected as the Holy Spirit guided them and convicted them and led them in their walk and in their relationship with God. They were connected as, as learners of the Word of God. It was a church that was passionate about connecting with lost people. Someone said, well, I don't like lost people because they think different than I do. I don't like sinners because they act different. My friend, if we don't reach out to the lost, we'll just die and we'll, we'll wither away. Because God loves lost people. God loves the sinner today. And he's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to eternal life. The church in the book of Acts was connected in their purpose, connected in seeing the lost people saved, sinners saved. And it was a powerful church. A connected church, get this today, all right, get this. A connected church is a powerful church. A connected church, connected to God, connected to the Holy Spirit, connected to the Word, connected in prayer, connected to one another, connected in fellowship, connected in love. It's a powerful church that is plugged into God. Here's what I notice. Satan is trying to disconnect Christians. Satan, more than ever before, is trying to divide Christians. He's trying to get folks to argue about the silliest little things, the silliest little details. Why? Because if he can bring division among Christians and believers and brothers and sisters, Satan will try to divide us over politics. He'll try to divide us over political issues. He'll try to divide us between Democrat and Republican or libertarian, or whatever your persuasion might be. Listen, I'm neither a Democrat or a Republican. I'm a Christian, all right? I'm a child of God. 
But this is not a time to be divided, but this is a time to be united. Satan will try to divide us through misunderstanding, through hurt feelings, through personal preferences, through personal styles, through all kinds of petty arguments. When I was in high school, my best friend, my best friend was, was actually a cousin of mine. Him and I, the best possible friends that we could be when we were young, real, real small kids. My, my father was a pastor, and his dad was the deacon of the church, and my dad was a pastor. And uh, we went to church there together, and we were just kids together. We grew up together. And all, of, all, all through our, our early years and, and as we were teenagers and in high school, we were close friends. And so we had this idea that we would, when summertime came, we were going to spend the whole summer together. Why? Because we just liked each other. We're the, we're the best possible friends, and we're just great people, and we just have a great time every time we get together. Have you ever, ever had a plan like that? We're going to spend the entire summer together, and we're going to do that. All right. And so we worked hard. Cassie, we worked hard. Uh, I worked on my job. He worked on his job. We saved our money. And when the summer time came, I quit my job. He quit his job. We said, we're just going to spend a whole summer. We're going to just spend the whole summer. We'll spend a week at your folks' house. We'll spend a week at my mom's house. We'll go to camp. We'll go here. We'll go there. We planned a wonderful summer, okay? So the summer began to unfold, okay? We went on a little vacation. Now, we're a couple of teenagers, we're 16, 17 years old. Can you imagine that our parents let us go on a vacation to Arkansas all by ourselves with a pup tent? <laughs> it was a different day. It was a different time. It was a different generation. But we did, okay? And one of the first things that happened in Hot Springs, Arkansas, was my best buddy wrecked my car. And I tell him, we're turning a corner, and he sideswipes a light pole. And I said, hey, you just wrecked my car. I rolled the way. You just wrecked my car. All I had was liability. He said, Bobby, don't worry about it. I'll fix it. He thought he was a mechanic. He thought he was a body man. He's 17, 16 years old, okay? He never did fix my car, okay? And there was a little bit of a wedge. There was a little bit of, there was a little bit of confusion. There was a little bit of resentment that began to, to build up. And I begin to notice this, that as the weeks passed by and our, our joyful time together, it, it became not quite so joyful, okay? Our energetic time together became not quite so energetic. Our happy times together became not quite so happy because we begin to get into arguments and we begin to get into disagreements. And I remember we went to summer camp together. And it was the same summer camp that, we, that you guys go to now at River Point. And we went down there, okay, and my good buddy was talking to my girlfriend and threatened to steal my girlfriend. That wasn't Miss Debbie, okay, it was someone else, okay. Just the man, the wedge is just, he's driving it, he's, he's, he's hammering the wedge in deeper and deeper and, and killing me. You're destroying our friendship here. I think, I think by the middle of the summer, we were so aggravated. We were so irritated at each other. We just went our separate ways. We said, but we got to forget it. We're not, we're, not gonna, we're not friends anymore. Why? Because of disagreements. Because of silly, ridiculous arguments. And I'll tell you this, it took us a long time before our friendship was ever the same. Again, the devil will major on division. He will try to divide the best of friends. 
Satan wants, listen, husband and wife, husbands and wives, the devil doesn't like you in your marriage. And he will try to bring division into your home. He doesn't like you. He doesn't like family relationship. He'll, he'll try to bring division between sisters. He'll try to bring division between brothers. He'll try to bring division among family members. He'll do his best to bring division between among church members who love each other with all of their heart. He will try to divide us over, the, over minor differences about theology. We've got to be on our guard against anything that will bring division into our life and division into our relationships and division into our marriage and division into our church. Here's a scripture today. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says this, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You see, we're just humans, and we make mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes, okay? I don't always say the right thing. I don't always do the right thing. Sometimes I, can you imagine, sometimes I get on people's nerves. Can you imagine? Sometimes I get on Miss Debbie's nerves, okay? Sometimes Pastor Bob and, 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 and Pastor Debbie, we get into disagreements. None of us is, is, is perfect. We, we all get offended from time to time. But God forgives us, so we've got to forgive one another, and let's stop looking for disagreements. There will be offenses. There will be times that you and I get our feelings hurt by stuff. It's just going to happen. It's the way that life is. you got to get over the offense. you got to forget it. you got to let it go, and you've got to forgive your brother or your sister. you got to forgive your friend. Because a lot of times, people hurt our feelings, and we don't even know what it's about. It's just they just looked at us wrong. They just said something that was wrong. They just said something, and they had the wrong tone in their voice. Listen, that spirit is from the devil today. And you got to get over. we got to stop wasting our time arguing with other people because you can never win an argument. You can say, oh, yes, I can win an argument because I'm a master at debate, and I was a president of my high school. Jill, I was a president of my high school debate club. You might win an argument. You might think you win a debate, but in the process, all you're going to do is lose a good friend because that wedge, that argument that you won, is gonna, it's going to uh, 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 put a wedge between the two of you. Romans chapter 14 verse 1 says this, Accept other believers who are weak in the faith. Did you, did you get this? And don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Some of us think that we are the spiritual police. And we want to argue theology with people. We want to argue about the way this church worships and the way that church worships. We want to argue whether it's King James or NIV. We want to worship. We want to argue about whether we ought to be singing Hillsong or whether we ought to be singing hymns. Listen, all it is is petty disagreements that devil is trying to bring it into the church. Sometimes we get all wrapped up and we want to argue about this and we want to argue about that. Listen, there are, there are some folks today and they want to worship on Saturday, okay? I don't have a problem with that. 
if, if, if folks want to do that. Now, I have a problem with this. When we want to spend all of our time arguing about whether we're going to worship on Saturday or we're going to worship on Sunday, and we forget about the cross, and we forget about the resurrection, and some folks want to argue, should we be baptized in Jesus' name or should we be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost? Listen, I don't have a problem with either. I've got a problem when we spend all of our time forgetting the purpose of the resurrection and all we want to do is argue. It brings division into the church. It brings confusion into the church. All right? And if you've got a church that's, that's trying to cater to you and you've got a group that's trying to tell you that every other church on the planet is wrong, they're all wrong, they're all wrong, and there's only one that's got it right, you better run as fast as you can from that church. You, got it, you better run from that spirit. That is a spirit of, 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 of antichrist today. But some of us think that we're the spiritual police. We want to argue about everything. But you got to get over yourself because arguments only bring chaos and confusion. And chaos and confusion does not come from God. It comes from the devil. Here's another verse I want to give you real quick. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. says this, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, must not quarrel but must be kind to, one, to everyone and be able to teach. And get this, be patient with difficult people. You know what the problem might be? You might be the difficult person. You know what the problem might be? I might be the difficult person because every once in a while we all switch, every, every once in a while we all switch roles. Okay? We got to stop arguing with one another. Verse 25, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. Sometimes we get on Facebook, we rant, we rave, we go off on this, we go off on that, and all we're doing is making more enemies. And all we are, all we're doing is, is, is building a wall of separation. But gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Gently. You can pray for people. Or sometimes we just got to take people and situations and put them in God's hands. Say, listen, you're God. You know them. You know what's going on in their life. You know the, the fallacy that they've fallen into. God, you've got to deal with them. Holy Spirit, you've got to draw them. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and then they will learn the truth. we got to gently. we got to be patient with people. Today, we can all benefit from a culture of connection. Because when we're connected, we have increased power. When we're connected, we're working as a team. We're unified in our purpose. When we're connected, we encourage one another. We lift one another up. We build one another up. This is not a time to tear each other down. we got to build one another up today because God wants us to share together, to walk together, to work together, to pull together. How many of you guys, okay, now I'm, I, I won't ask the ladies, but I'll ask the guys. You don't have to raise your hand, okay, because this is going to show that you're a jerk, okay? How many of you guys can remember being young, arrogant, and single, and you're going around rating all girls and women from 1 to 10, okay? You know what I'm talking about? There's Jill's up here, Jill's up here saying I do that all the time. <laughs> she says she has. That was before she got saved, okay? She, she did do that at one time. 
And ladies, if you'll be honest, you get you guys have done it too, okay? But you know what we a lot of us do? We still go around rating people, even though we're now we're adults. I'm not I'm talking to, I'm not talking about for romantic purposes, but we still go around a lot of us and we rate people, okay? And uh, we got this deal in our head. If someone is a seven or higher, they're worthy of our friendship, okay? If someone is a seven or higher, they got a certain kind of a job. They got a certain kind of an income. They've got a certain way that they carry themselves. They're at least a seven. And if someone's like a six or below, because they, maybe they drive a different kind of car than we do. They live in a different kind of neighborhood. They've got a different perspective than we do. We just avoid them like the plague. There's a lot of us, and we go around and rate people all the time. Well, Jesus rated every person as a 10. And if you want to have friends, start rating everyone as a 10. If you want to make a difference in the world, start rating everyone like a 10. If you want to begin to see people saved and come to Christ, rate people as a 10. Love people. Be compassionate for people. Because when we rate everybody as a 10, we begin to bring down cultural barriers. We begin to bring down barriers of gender and class and, and genders of race. Because we look at everyone on an equal plane and on an equal level. And everybody matters to God. Everyone was a 10 to Jesus. He cared about everyone. I'm getting ready to close. Musicians, you can come up. Someone said, people like people who like them. If you want to create a cultural connection, just start talking to people and start liking people. Start caring for people. Because we create a culture of connection when we, we become interested in other people. Because everyone has a desire to feel like they're important. And to feel like they're accepted. Everyone's got a desire to feel like they matter. And so God, Jesus was reaching out to everyone. Listen, Jesus was reaching out to, uh, he was reaching out to Samaritans. He was reaching out to various classes and races of people. He brought down economic barriers. He was talking... When, when, when it was inappropriate, when it was not culturally acceptable for men to talk to women in public, Jesus was meeting a woman at the well. When it was not culturally accepted, Jesus was meeting and, and he was interceding for a woman taken in adultery. And he was pleading her case. Why? Because he cared for everyone. God wants us to begin to reach out to people and to care for people because everyone needs and responds to encouragement. And people, I've noticed this, that people will accomplish more under a spirit of love and approval than they will under a spirit of criticism because encouragement brings out the best in people. And God wants us to begin to believe in people. You say, well, they got a different political idea than I've got. Big deal. Big deal. They got a different, a, a few different views, you know, theologically than I've got. Listen, pray for them. Pray for them. Just love them. Be compassionate toward them. Be kind toward them. 
when the time is right, I believe God will, will speak to them and God will deal with them. There, there, there's folks that come to this church. I don't agree with everything that they do. I don't agree with their lifestyle. Listen, I, I could preach a sermon on Sunday morning and half the church would quit. Did you know that? I could preach it so hard. I could draw the line so straight that the only, my wife might even quit. <laughs> is Debbie in here today? She's teaching kids. <laughs> oh, man. we got to love people. we got to reach out to people today. A culture of connection. It's vital to bring out the best in every person in our church. Everyone matters. Everyone matters today. You matter to God. You matter to Jesus Christ. And He knows what's happening in your life today. He cares for you this morning. He gave His life. He gave His Son, Christ, to die for us. He loved us that much. And He cares for us. That He died for us while we were still yet sinners. And if God has that kind of love for other people, you and I ought to have that kind of love for other people. Long-suffering toward other people. Building a culture of connection. This is the will of God. This is the plan of God. Because a connected church is a powerful church. Church, Yeah, we got to be connected to God. we got to be connected to the Word. We've got to be connected in prayer. In this day and age, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and direct us and convict us. If there's something in our life that's wrong, we need to say, God, show me that thing. If there's something that needs to be removed from my life, I pray, God, that you'll show me and give me direction. And God, let me have a, a teachable, workable spirit where I'm allowing you to move into ministry in my life. Amen. God bless you this morning. Would you stand with me today? <clears throat> Let's stand today. Hey, I want you to just join hands with the person next to you today, if you would. The person to your right, the person to your left, if you would, just join hands. Let's, let's pray for one another today. Let's pray. Let's pray that we'll be joined together. We'll be connected today. There's someone this morning that's in this place that's going through a dire situation. There's someone in this place today that's going through a great struggle. There's someone today that's that's gone through a tragedy in their life. Well, God is here today, and I want us to just begin to pray for one another, to pray for the needs of one another, to have compassion for one another this morning. Come on, let's pray. Just pray for that person on your right. Pray for that person on your left. Dear God, you see where we stand today. Come on, in your own way, just begin to pray. Begin to pray for them. Christ. You see us, God, where we are, where we stand today, God. There are those in our midst, God, that's going through a difficult time. There are those among us, God, that's going through tragedy. We're walking through a valley. We're walking through a time of loneliness, dear God. And I just pray that you begin to minister, Lord, to people today. Come on, pray for your neighbor today. Come on, press in and talk to God for them. Come on, be compassionate toward them and pray for them today. Right now, God, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to do a great work in this place. I pray, Lord, if there's one that is, does not know Christ, their personal Savior, that today, God, that they will accept Christ and make Him the Lord of, the Lord of their life. Oh, God, help today. Bless today. Encourage today. 
lift today. God, maybe there's someone here that's got in a terrible argument with someone. And they need to go to someone and ask forgiveness. They're, stop waiting for that person to come to you and go to them. Maybe there's someone here today, God, and there's something that's standing before them that seems to be separating them and God. God, I pray today, God, that we'll put that thing aside. It's a distraction of the devil. It's a device of the devil. Maybe there's a division in our family. Maybe there's a division in our marriage. Maybe there's a division between our brother or between our sister. I just pray, God, that we'll let those things and lay those things aside, dear God. Maybe there's a division between a mother and a child. I just pray today, God, that we'll lay those things aside and seek them. Seek you, God, today. Let's pray, God. Let us have connection. Let us love like Christ. Help us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Would you just lift up your hearts today and praise the Lord in your own way? Would you just give Him praise today? Come on, just praise Him and give Him thanks. God loves you today. God cares for you. Let God touch you this morning. You don't have to leave here like you came. Let God do something great in your life. If you're here today and you need prayer, please come, and we will pray with you today. There are other folks that would love to come and pray with you. I've already had a couple people say that they're going to come and they would like prayer today. But if you need prayer, please come, and we'll pray with you today.